Uh, you've got to pay attention when you feel those feelings of overwhelm and do what you need to do. Ask yourself what needs to happen to change things at that point in time. Most of us just get caught up. That's what happens to me. I just get completely caught up. Mm. When it's starting to not feel as good or I'm, you're not lighting up a, like a Christmas tree yeah. when you speak about it, at that point, that's a signal. It's the awareness to, yes, of that. Yes. Yeah. Then that's at that point, you, something needs to change. Something needs to happen. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. My name is Richard Thompson. Today we have an incredible guest. Her name is Julie Robinson. She's a professional mindset coach specializing in hypnotherapy and using neuro-linguistic programming to access the subconscious for ultimate performance. We hope you really enjoy this episode. Let us know if you do. So sit back and enjoy. Julie Robinson, welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very grateful to uh, and honoured to be here. It's great. Now, the show's primarily about this concept or this dichotomy between success and happiness and the uh, concept of those two and the relationship between the two. Yep. You are a incredibly skilled and experienced high-performance mindset coach You've, you've worked with Olympians, world champions and everyone and, and executives and office, you know, uh, corporates and everyone. What, what do you see as the definition? How do you define success and happiness? Well, they, they kind of go together. Um, but you've got to be very, very, very careful uh, because it's the way you do it really um, and the way I, – I wouldn't call it a definition – to me, happiness is something that we create from within. And unfortunately, a lot of people, probably 95% of the population, are relying on other things or things to happen or people to make them happy. External factors. Yes, yeah. very much so. And, of course, that's where the success comes in because you're relying on success happening for you to be happy. So that they're, they're intertwined, they're in interlocking together. But if you concentrate too much on success or achievement-based success, mm -hmm. and then of course, you know, when sometimes when you actually get that success, it's it's a little bit of a what's the word? An anticlimax. And uh, that's where the problems can, can arise, really, because the satisfaction from that success is not what you thought it was going to be. And how do you, how would you see, if it's, if it's an internal place, happiness, mm. how do you calibrate that or how can you measure that or how do you, how do you become that? more 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 often M measurement of it is probably like the conversation we had in your kitchen mm. which was a conversation which had you lighting up like a christmas tree <laughs> that's happiness yeah yeah and that's born out of some success mm. that you're achieving that you're ticking boxes mm -hmm. you're holding yourself accountable you've got full responsibility 
And knowing that and talking about that mm. gave you that rush mm. of lighting up like a Christmas tree, which is that happiness. Um, so how you create that is literally from within by having it. Mm. And then is it, do you think it's something about like understanding at that moment what are what are the ingredients that are creating that in that feeling or very they, much so yeah presumably yeah. that's pretty individual yeah. as well yeah and I I think when you know we're really talking about like personal development business world sporting world there's a certain process mm. to an outcome and the most world athletes and the most successful people on this planet are those that know that there is a process to get the outcome. And more often than not, they love the process more than they yeah. do the outcome. Yeah. So then they're ticking boxes, they're getting tasks done, they're holding themselves accountable, they're responsible. And by doing that then, they feel along the way that beautiful sensation of happiness. It's almost like that they love the process because it's the process. Yeah. Right? And yeah. That, because you've worked with, you know, Olympic Olympic medalists as well and you you hear of that post-Olympic depression yeah. where it's like this, especially with, with swimmers or any Olympians, I guess, is that it's uh, probably more so swimming and more so other events where it's very weighted to the Olympics, you know, that yep. soccer isn't the case. Nope. Where there's Olympic sport, yep. but there's other bigger events. Yep. But for swimming, that's, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And it's a four-year, it's the Olympiad period yeah. of time. And then they, it's the that process, I think every elite athlete would look back at that moment or those moments and go, oh, that was a beautiful lead-in because it's yep. this build-up and build-up and you're yes. ticking those boxes and you are going on that process. And yes, you do have to perform in the final and you do have to win or, or podium mm, or whatever, mm. but then it's... Well, when you're talking about swimming, it's 0.01. Sure. So you've got, you've got to love the process. But exactly, right. You've got to have those sensations and feelings of happiness from the process. And most elite athletes do. And most of the time when they retire, that's what. They miss. They miss the certainty of the process, mm. like getting up in the morning, going to their workouts, their practice, whatever it might be. Yeah. That's what they miss. They miss the process. I feel even on, even on a corporate level, um, a good friend of mine's recently retired mm. and it that was a process in itself. Mm. That they, you know, that it was coming to a to a to a finality. Yeah. But what he misses is the process of work. Yeah. You know? And yep. He, you know, he, and, and that's, that's interesting yeah. that it's, you know, yeah. not that I'm, not that I'm very weighted to the idea of working to retirement because that's killing the process yes. once you're there. That's yes. not, not, not the best outcome, but yeah. it's just interesting. It's, it's, I think they're very similar, yeah. similar yeah. things. And um, yeah, I don't think the Olympians or the ex-Olympians miss getting on the blocks in a semifinal. They miss, yeah. They miss that, that process that, that, more. The process, yeah. I would say, yeah. they would certainly miss the excitement of being uh, ready for that final. Do you think burnout happens then with anyone who's enduring that stress or that, you know, that, that challenging process in whatever field they do? Mm. Is the burnout period, the risk of burnout, is that when you lose direction on the process, or is that how does that play? I. I actually think that's not paying – burnout to me is not paying attention. Okay. And I've done it myself many, many times. And it, it 
for me, it, it manifests as physical injuries. Mm. Uh, even when I'm burnt out mentally, it manifests as physical injuries or overwhelm within my body physically. And, uh, yeah, it's if we're not paying attention, then we realise that we've just gone too far with the exercise or the work we're doing or the overwhelm has taken over too much. And then we're going into the area of, you know, lacking in motivation or anxiousness or, like I said, injuries yeah. or illness. Have you, what have you learnt um, on that point? How do you, how do you, how do you, yeah, right. But like, I mean, even as I'm going down a new venture where it's really, it is, it is really exciting and, and really all encompassing, but conscious that like, that's what I, I'm prepared. I'm I'm sort of led wanting to do, but also conscious that I don't want to burn out in two years. Yes. It has to be sustainable. Yes. How do you, uh, make sure. You've got to pay attention. Really. You've got to pay attention. With where if, your energy is being... Yes, you've got to hold to boundaries. Yeah. Uh, there's no point in creating boundaries with somebody else unless you're able to hold and create boundaries of your own mm. for yourself. Uh, you've got to pay attention when you feel those feelings of overwhelm and do what you need to do. Ask yourself what needs to happen to change things at that point in time. Most of us just get caught up that's what happens to me. I just get completely caught up. Mm. When it's starting to not feel as good or I'm, you're not lighting up a, like a Christmas tree yep. when you speak about it, at that point, that's a signal. It's for the you. awareness yes, of that. Yes. Yeah. Then that's at that point, you, something needs to change. Something needs to happen. How do you create boundaries for yourself? Oh. I struggle with this <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> well, To be honest, the boundaries that we create for ourselves give us that self-responsibility. So they actually catapult us forward. Boundaries are, in my line of work, I'm a hypnotherapist, so I'm using metaphors a lot. So I'm kind of delving into the world of metaphoric boundaries that people have. Um, The kind of thing would be I'm I'm in a bubble yeah. Or I put a wall up or there's a block in front of me. That you're purposely putting up metaphorically in your mind. That's right. To protect yourself. Protect, yeah, yeah. And also holding boundaries is really important. To hold boundaries with yourself is holding yourself accountable hmm. without going into the world of overwhelm. <laughs> I think it would be time, like it would be so good to be able to I mean, to firstly acknowledge as a backstop uh, when you're not lighting up, when you are, when it is a that's grind. It. That's right, a boundary. Go, for sure. That's but a to boundary. But to even, even be able to set the boundaries earlier than that so you don't even get to that point would, yeah. be, yeah. would be champagne work. Yeah. Um, the, within the corporate world, within our working world, is, it's, it's extremely important hmm. for a leader to hold to their own boundaries because then you're basically influencing everyone else around in your team yep. to hold the boundaries too. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest problems. If someone is working, t- you know, 16 hours a day as a leader mm. and they're online 24-7 just in case one of their staff is, is 
you know, need help yeah. in some way, that's sending a message to that staff member and that's not good boundaries. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's not a model of what you'd want them to be as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's very important that we are able to work in our world in a highly efficient and productive manner. Yeah. And with that, it's process. It's holding ourselves accountable, creating those boundaries. And it's so, I find it quite easy to be able to say this and to be able to say, this is what, certainly to staff or to people who you love to go, yeah, you need to do that. Right, you yeah. need to create boundaries. <laughs> yes. You need to look after yourself. You yeah. need to talk better to yourself. But why yeah. is this so challenging for ourselves? To you know, to, it's almost like we can easily give that advice to people that we love, yeah, and, gen- sure. and and coming from a place of you know, a real sure. genuine place. Yeah, but for sure, how we talk to ourselves or how we we we're the last <laughs> person to take that medicine. Why? Why do you think that is? Very much so, because we're when when we're thinking about ourselves, we're in the problem. So we can't see the wood for the trees. Mm -hmm. But when we see somebody else in their problem, we've got a different perspective and it's easier to have to step back and see the problem for what it is. So within my line of work, I I teach my clients Mm. how to step back to see a problem for what it is. To be get out of the problem. Get out of the problem. And see it. Yeah, what it is. So you're a hypnotherapist specializing in, I guess, neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that today. And mm-hmm. it's, I've, you know, I think you're incredible at what you do and I know a lot of people that say the same thing. So it's, well, that, it's really, that, really good. That's, special, that's really special to me because I've actually worked with you. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that, that's the best. And to be like. honest, like uh, before I uh, met you years ago, I sort of thought, hypnotherapy <laughs> was, you know, it was for people who want to give up smoking. Yeah. Or, oh, it is. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, no, I haven't had a cigarette since. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but on a, yeah, I mean, we'll get into the the, the, the technical stuff yes. later. But I, I had this quote that I found from Edmund Hillary that was, we don't conquer the mountain, but we conquer ourselves. And you've worked with so many incredible athletes and professionals to, I guess, unlock, essentially unlock their potential Mm. through the subconscious and through the work that you're doing. What is the biggest takeaways? What, how do you reflect on, or what do you see as the biggest takeaways of the work you've done with so many people? For me personally, it's just an honor to work in sport or performance in any way. When the, these people are putting themselves on the line and their subconscious knows it. Mm. You know, there's there's a tremendous amount of respect that I have for athletes and and performers. Mm. And, uh, you know, I do sit down at night and watch Netflix and relax and I do my knitting and my crochet and my crafting and I know full well there will be athletes that I'm... I'm working with currently or worked with that would be still working on that process to get faster, better, perform better, create that um, presentation that they need to do. And I have a, 
a whole load of respect for them because I'm just sitting there watching Netflix, <laughs> relaxing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the work that goes into it. I really do. How did it find you? Where, where did you get this? Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I, I mean. What in, or what intrigues you about this work the most? Intrigues me. Sometimes I get really shocked at how fast it works. Yeah, okay. When I've worked with athletes that have been vomiting before performance, mm. elite athletes for many, many years and seen, you know, had lots of opportunities and work done consciously with therapists, I, I am still astounded at how, I'm shocked and astounded at how they can come and see me and I just do the work that I've learned to do mm-hmm. and problem solved. You're shocked at how, I, fish, how, I, how efficient I'm, it works. Every time. Yeah. Even this week I worked with a, a young AFL, up-and-coming AFL player mm-hmm. in, in South Australia, Adelaide, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had a traumatic injury and, you know, his second hour of work with me, he was... He, you know, he said at the end, I just feel untouchable. Mm. And after trauma of an injury within a game uh, that has set him back for the last 18 months now, yeah. he's, he's, and I'm still shocked. What is that, <laughs> what is that relationship with the subconscious and, and, and prior trauma? Because I feel like a lot of the, well, I don't know, I'm speaking out of school, but I'd imagine there is a fair relationship between what we endure as humans as we grow up, whether it's childhood, whether it's adolescence, whether it's in adulthood, mm. and everyone's uh, – I find trauma interesting in the fact that it's your own trauma. You've got nothing really personally, nothing to compare it against no. other than your own. It's all the, And everyone's trauma is different. You could That's have right. somebody within the same experience mm-hmm. – but with a totally different perspective 100%. on on what's gone on, and I think yeah. for my 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 learnings in the past you know handful of years is to really respect that oh, of yes. anyone else's yes. trauma. Yes. I can't imagine. No, in, in the most respectful way. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to no. be you or no. to have experienced no. that. No. no, and not one trauma is more traumatic than the other. No, it's how you're in. It's it's how you're viewing it. Very right? much so. And so, yeah. how does particularly that? Let's say the AFL player. How that is the subconscious, is it getting through that traumatic experience? Is that the work? Well, I'm, I'm jotting all over the place. Let's, for the audience, <laughs> let's get to the, the crux of it of what is it that you do? And and I guess to a certain degree, bring in LMP, bring in, you know, yep. how, does okay. it, how does it work? Okay. So the subconscious, its primary job is to preserve and protect our bodies and minds. Mm -hmm. And when something happens to us as a human being where we haven't got the coping mechanisms to manage, in other words, a shock or a traumatic event that we weren't expecting, then, of course, the subconscious has to kick in with feelings and sensations to keep us safe, protect us from that ever happening again. So when a trauma happens, a subconscious just kicks in with those feelings. And then what happens as we move on in life, because that's what we try to do after a trauma is to move on in life, the subconscious will pick up on anything remotely connected to that trauma 
and give you that same sensation and feeling. It will also give you a beautiful movie on the inside of your mind of the trauma repeated over and over again because it's on high alert and it doesn't want you to go anywhere near that ever again. Mm. It just makes sense to me to make sure that you work with this subconsciously and that's my work. I work with the because it's a subconscious. It's because it's a subconscious yeah. response. And you can so you can do all the work you'd like consciously. It would certainly help. Which is which is it in, would certainly which, help. The conscious work would certainly help. Which would like, be look like what? Regular therapy. Psychoanalysis, psychologist, counselling, mm. all those conscious C B T yeah, they I mean, don't get me wrong. The, it helps. It helps. Yeah. Most definitely. Um but if that feeling and sensation just Continues. keeps continuing, to me, there's only one, one option available, and, and that's, that's working with it, it. Yeah, subconsciously. And when you work with the characteristics of the subconscious regarding trauma, you know, things can change. Mm. And things can change really beautifully well. And then how does, um, how does that uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is that the the vehicle yes to so be able to access and yes to, yeah. yes so what i do is i use certain tools and strategies to uh my job really is like a detective to work out how my client is doing the problem mm. and then from there decide on which tools and strategies i'm going to use to have that client open up that sort of conscious uh, awareness to what's going on and update the subconscious. So in the case of my young AFL player, yeah, um, I had to take him back to that event, event but in a different way. Hmm. And we, in a more, uh, in a way where we're investigating and exploring hmm. so that he, as the man he is now, or young man, he's still a young man, uh, he can access more resources. He knows more and he can apply those resources to that memory that just keeps coming up mm. for him. The subconscious, it's desperate to learn. It's like your three-year-old. Mm. You know, it, want, it wants to learn. And if we don't allow it the option to learn, if we don't give it the opportunity to learn, it won't move on. And, and you know... Moving on is what we all want to do after trauma, is mm. move on. And do you think the people that you've spoken or you, you've worked with, and there's been so many, but do you think them going into sessions with you and the work you do with them, particularly for specific trauma, the AFL player, for example, they're aware of that, that that's the inverted commas roadblock? Uh, or are there other people that just, are yeah. there some people that just aren't aware? No, very, are uh, you? Uh, uh, Trauma can be from our childhood. And yeah. remember, your subconscious, its primary job is to preserve and protect your body and mind. Yeah. And sometimes the subconscious goes, well, the conscious is not going to know that trauma. And then, you know, there are different techniques and strategies to use to uh, uncover that as well. So someone might not even know that consciously that they had a trauma as a two, three, four-year-old yep. because they have no memory of it, conscious memory of it. 
However, the subconscious knows. Mm. And so in which case, uh, you know, to delve into it consciously is going to take a long, long time and be very, probably very uncomfortable for the client as well. Yeah, it's like you're speaking directly to me here. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't I necessarily, I don't necessarily, I can see yeah, it in your face. I don't necessarily want this to be a, 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 yeah. a Thompson session for everyone yeah. to listen to. But I, I, I absolutely, um, that, that's exactly what it is. That yes. you, there is this, there is the preserve and protection. And I, I think I'm self-aware enough to know, to, to, you know, to, like we discussed with the um, burnout, I can see, I can feel the the subconscious preserving and protecting in a certain environment. Yep. From like a trigger uh-huh. gives you a, a yeah. trigger, and then you get the feeling. Yep. Yep. From from particular events. Yep. I feel that, and then my conscience kicks in, and understands that it's that that <laughs> that it's that's it's that that, that that's happening because of prior trauma, mm-hmm. and that it's it's probably a bit uh, trigger happy, my mm-hmm. subconscious mm-hmm. in terms of protecting. It's like, mm-hmm. it's okay. I have all those feelings. That me- that beautiful movie comes up yep. reminding me of the prior trauma mm-hmm. and then it's, uh, then it, then it's ready to, to, you know, fight or flight in that, yep. that same way. Yep. And that's anxiousness, right? In the sense of there's a lot of that fear of future Mm-hmm. coming the from bodies. that prior trauma. Yep. Um, but the conscience, for me at least, has no idea what to do. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, I understand that it's probably premature mm-hmm. t- to fire off like this. Mm-hmm. But consciously, it's like I think, all right, I've got to work on this so I'm not so trigger happy with the warning signs going off. Richard, you've got it. And But the conscious, is, the conscious is so lack though, yeah. I've found. That yeah. It's just like... It's almost dumb. The conscious yeah. is going, well, I don't know. Probably it's, you know, let's say, you know, you're phobic of buses yeah. and a bus drives <laughs> past and you're on the footpath because, you you know, you're, yeah. you got cleaned up or you almost got cleaned up and that's what your trauma is. Yep. The bus goes past or you see a bus in a magazine it and you're like, well, it sets you off. But yep. the conscious goes, I know that that's ridiculous. Subconscious doesn't. But the subconscious doesn't. And no. also, but more importantly, I think the conscious doesn't know what to do no. with the subconscious. No. It's like, yep. I'm, my, my, I can feel all the feels and the movie's there from the bus. Yep. But it's a magazine. It's not coming to hit me. No. But the conscious then goes, I don't know what to do with this yeah. going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get That's another exactly. magazine, it'll happen again. Yeah, yeah, you've got it. That's exactly how it works. And so then how do we... You have to pay attention. You have to be self-aware. But how can we? But I, I, I feel like I'm self-aware enough. <laughs> I self, feel self-aware enough to understand that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But you but, need to do the work. So how do we do that? You do need to do that. You need to contact me. <laughs> I mean, the how-to yep. is is very difficult to give you the information over the podcast yep. situation. However, yeah, there are certain things you can do, and I've alluded to them earlier, stepping back and seeing the problem for what it is. So that That's a conscious decision. Yes, it is a conscious decision, but what you're doing is you're using the subconscious characteristics and the subconscious characteristic of using that imagination, visualization, yeah, pictures, imagery, loves all that. That's why athletes visualize because they know that what they're visualizing, the subconscious doesn't know whether it's real or imagined. 
And so then if an athlete visualizes what they want to have as a performance, the behaviors that they want to do to perform well, mm. the subconscious understands that as real. And if they repeat that, then of course they're going to follow through on those behaviors really well. And that's how it works. So, you know, just a simple stepping back from the trauma as the person that you are now will give you so much more learning and information, even to the point of being able to verbalize to your younger you, well, I'm evidence of being okay. You're going to be okay. Because I'm evidence of that right here, right now. And if your younger you going through that trauma knew that he was going to be okay, that would have been a massive difference yeah. for you. And that was probably um, something that, you know, from the extended session that we did, I think it was a few hours worth of work where in the best way that I can describe it, and I'll hack this <laughs> for sure, um, was you were able to open up my subconscious and talk to it. Mm. And I was able to very easily then move. And you have, there is a way that you do that. Yes. By words, yeah, yes. by talking. Language. And the, and the language. Yeah. And the yeah. way that I speak to you, yes. you then revert that same way yeah. back. Yeah. And then I was able, you or we were able to then almost put myself, my now self next to my younger self just before and just after or during that trauma yeah. and to give it give him strength. Yes. To know what, as what said, he needed. Yes, yes. What he needed. And that was enough for that younger you to know, well, I am actually going to be okay, it's okay because look at this man in front yeah. of me now yeah. that I aspire to be. Yeah. And I could I mean <laughs> it's hard to explain to people who haven't experienced it. But it's absolutely it, it, true. Like it, it, it's, it it's is. so it is. it's so vibrant and so real to yes. me in the subconscious. Yes, and that's why when the AFL player goes, like, I feel so strong. Yeah, because it's it is almost instant where yeah. you come out of that and yeah. you go, actually, I feel you know so much more complete and so much more there's so much more strength because it's almost like you've you've gone back there, you've given that person that younger self that strength. Yes. To then, and you've almost, as a result, you've managed through that period of your life much better. Yes. By having that experience. That being said, I will still do some more work with that AFL player. Of course. I mean, he had a massive breakthrough. I think you should be doing some more work with me. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, it was an hour on Zoom. Oh. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of online sessions, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, still, there's still work to be done, mm -hmm. but not. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah. When we first met many years ago and even um, before that, I sort of was quite open to the idea that my mind was plastic and I was able to visualise a lot. And Yes. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to me that you could easily do that for me. Mm. Do you find resistance in people? Obviously people are open enough who do contact with you, contact to you and who work with you there is some openness anyway getting to that point. But you, if people – there must be some resistance from people who are like, oh, I, I couldn't I, – I wouldn't – I don't subscribe to that idea or I would struggle to get into that mental state. So when I first um, qualified, 
I saw anyone and everyone, yeah. <laughs> which was a good experience to have because my skill level uh, jumped sky high to mm. do that. So, for instance, I would see uh, the husband, the I would have a wife call me and say, you know. You need to fix my husband. <laughs> can you fix my husband? He needs to stop smoking. Right. That kind of thing. But now I'm very, very choosy. I'm waiting to the point where my client is highly motivated and athletes are highly motivated. So that's easy in the world of um, business. Um, most business people are very highly motivated. Mm. So when they come in, they're already open and they're ready. They're, they've usually tried everything else sure. as well, uh, particularly elite athletes because they're, that's what they do. Yeah. They're <laughs> they looking for the one yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then they find me and they're, they're sat in front of me and they're, they're ready to go. Uh, so first of all, there needs to be some subconscious value and leverage to the change. So I create that, and from there, then I, I take the next step. But I don't mess about. If I think a client isn't ready, in other words, there's not enough motivation there, particularly when you work with teenage kids or yeah. children, yeah. that leverage and that motivation has to be creative Interesting. First. Yeah, because the parents want it. Of yeah. course, they want their child comfortable instead of doing panic attacks and anxiety. Mm. But, of course, the child needs to be motivated as well. So they need to contemplate what life would be without panic attacks and anxiety. And if they lose that connection with their parents, then why would they fix it? Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So there's The connection with the parents because of the panic attacks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there's that, that's an extreme mm. case of what I'm explaining about motivation and leverage. Sometimes it's just easier to be familiar in a place that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we do that as human beings. We do put up with quite a bit before we decide that's enough. And at that point where the client decides that's enough, that's when I've got them in front of me. Yeah, it's the, and presumably that's, they're ready. They're ready. Mm. It's great. <laughs> Makes my life a lot easier yeah. too. <laughs> Um, and what signs do you can you see when um, the subconscious and the conscious aren't aligned? Like I remember you telling a story about a Olympic swimmer who you, are, you asked, uh, <laughs> "Yes, uh, are you going?" I, I don't know what the question was, but I'll tell you. Yeah, you I, know, I know exactly the one that yeah. you're talking about because it was it was belief work I was doing belief work yeah, with this right. particular athlete, and uh, this athlete was. Uh, coming back to the sport after a very long break. Uh, Queen of the comebacks, I, I, I called her. Yeah. And uh, she said when she came to see me, she was more, she was curious when she came to see me more than anything. And I said, well, what do you want from these sessions? And she said, I, I want to make the Olympic team for London 2012. And I said, well, do you believe you can do it? And she said, yes. <laughs> while she's while she's uh, yeah, while she's shaking, yes, this that's right. Well, it's on, on video. Podcast. It's on video as well. But yeah, she's shaking so she, her head. She was shaking her head, as giving me the no. subconscious signal of no, whereas her conscious was saying yes, yes, which 
sent me a message of what I need to work on. Yeah. I need to work on belief with this young woman. Mm. And that's what I did. I worked on belief. And then she had subsequent sessions, obviously, after that. And she got faster. And then she came back to me. And I said, well, what do you want from this session? And she said, well, I believe I can make the team. But I want the individual spot in Not my the race. relay. Not, not just, just the relay. relay. And I said, well, do you believe you can do it? And she said, yes. <laughs> shaking, it, shaking her head as well. <laughs> and then we had a session just before she, she got the individual spot. Yeah. And then just before London 2012, her last session before she flies out for the training camp, I said, what do you want? She said, well, I, want, I want a goal. And I said, do you believe you can do it? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> she shook her head again. <laughs> and yeah. That's okay. We did the work. Yeah. So that's what happened. She got a goal. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. You're not picking her up on that though. You're just seeing that. I'm. Oh, I'm not telling her. Telling her at the time. No, no. 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 But then she goes. That, that's. Uh, you know. That's my. Otherwise, she's going to say yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The you conscious, know what I mean? The I conscious need, kicks in. Yeah. And pretends. I need that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that. so, yeah, she qualifies for the individual as well as the relay and gets the gold medal. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. Yeah. That's such a cool story. But I think that it is that alignment when it comes to um, belief. It's the alignment of the subconscious and the conscious, right? That's what, Yeah, that's the and some athletes call it flow. Sure. Or in my day, it was in the zone. It's in the zone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, to me, flow is just a state, that is access when the conscious and the subconscious are aligned. I've got a great quote from David Goggins that said, if you're willing to suffer, and I mean suffer, your brain and body once connected together can do anything. Yes. So that's that, right? That's yes. the ability to go, Yes. yeah, we can, um, we can, if we align them, them to those two, Yes. that's when the flow and that's yes. when true potential can come out. Yes. However, I'm worried about the word suffer. Sure. Talk to you about that. Because suffering will certainly send you into that overwhelm area. There's like, got to be there's got to be an element I, of discomfort, would, right? Yeah, I would say struggle. Okay, rather than suffer. Yeah, yeah. Struggle is a totally different uh, word compared to suffer. Yeah, or sacrifice maybe. Sacrifice. I mean, I'd say struggle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you need to struggle. All these. Yeah. It, it, you know, there there needs to be a certain struggle to it. Mm. But if there wasn't a struggle, it wouldn't mean so It wouldn't mean anything. Choice. It wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of it lights you up like a Christmas tree yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. that you're struggling. Yeah. If it was all handed to you, yeah. If they gave gold medals out to everybody in the yeah. world, yeah. wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. And and to struggle is very different to suffer. Yeah. I think that's um philosopher Nietzsche. Oh uh, Nietzsche, yeah. 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 The required a required component. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's worth, it, it's worth taking that on in your life is to understand that, you know, what you do is going to be a struggle. And maybe but what that gives you at the end of it is a tremendous amount of more knowing, more learning, more resources mm. available for the future. So then why is it? So if there's enough evidence to suggest, going back to what we started, what we talked at the beginning about the the process or that journey, mm. right? And the ticking the boxes and going through the accountability. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but and knowing that that's ninety nine percent of the whole, the the prize mm. is that mm. process. Mm. But there requires struggle in that as well. Yes. 
And then taking a step back further, this isn't just for that, that process and that struggle within that process. It's not just for making the final at Olympics. It's can be in any aspect of anyone's life. Very much so. If yep. The relationship you have with your family. Yes. In your household. Yes. The relationship you have with your spouse. Yes. Re- what your job is. Yes. Where your career is. Yes. Your relationship with your friends. The relationship with yourself. Yes. And I, I'm frustrated that I didn't put that first on the <laughs> list, which is shows how you know uh, how lack I have of my, of you know putting myself as a priority. But so they're all different uh, journeys. And but my question is like why is it we're so when struggle is the required element why are we always so frustrated when there is a struggle? Well, the mind is is you know it's highly creative, mm. yeah. And if it hasn't got a problem to solve, it will create one. Yeah. And so it wants to solve problems. So life is a struggle. Yeah. From the moment we're born, a baby doesn't learn to walk without struggling. So in why the is there such way, a negative? Why is there such a negative connotation to it? Exactly. And what we do is nowadays, as parents and grandparents, <laughs> yeah, is that we don't want our children to struggle, mm. and because over the generations we haven't allowed our children to struggle, then unfortunately we then get adults that aren't so resourceful or you have a have a struggle with work or mm-hmm. and you go well this is shit mm. i can't handle this because and it's, then you put you you're under the covers yeah you just like i can't yeah. go into work yeah and or you have shy away from it mm. instead of and, going and that's what we love about sport yeah. is the redemption mm-hmm. yeah no one loves a, a six love six one six no. love match match yeah yeah they love the five setters mm-hmm. of struggle, yeah. sweat, tears, emotion, mm. yeah. And even if you don't win, if you know you struggled and you you, you played and you you know that that's what everyone loves. Mm. It's entertaining. And, and I think, but I think, that, like as an athlete, you can there is a very le- high level sense of acceptability yes. of struggle. Yes. It has to be. Yes. It's a physical, mental. Yes. And in the business world as well. Yeah. Yep. I think for a lot of people, yeah. business, is, that's accepted. Yeah. But then there's also a, a lot of people who, when it comes to work or whether it comes to relationships or, or family or kids. Take the easy way out. Well, they just expect it not to be. Yeah. And yeah. In, if you, as we've discussed today, it's almost like it has to be. Well, here's what happens then. Something happens then which is highly traumatic Mm. but not so traumatic to others. Does that make sense? So for someone, probably a younger athlete training for nationals or state titles Mm -hmm. and expecting a certain performance and then getting there and just bombing completely, that's trauma. Mm. That can be at the level of trauma for that human being um, just because they haven't yet learned the coping mechanisms for managing disappointment. Yeah, okay. So you think, so, so you think if, we, if you it, had an environment where you embrace struggle a little bit more yeah. as a positive, yeah. then they're probably more equipped yeah. to handle the challenges when it's, yes. when it's presented and to you. And that's the reason behind these beautiful 
NRL teams going on these camps mm. and learning how to struggle. Because when they struggle together, mm. they build this incredible vibe. Of, well, I think they've got each other's back. There's an element of yeah. a, a really healthy element of struggling together. Yeah. Of any relationship. Yeah. In any yeah. of those categories, yeah. to be able to say, yeah, this, well, you've got young children. Yeah, yeah it's we're a in struggle. We're in, yeah. but not to feel like. Firstly, not to feel like this is alien. Yeah. Like that, everyone else. This I'm struggling here. Yeah. In this moment, by myself, no one else is in the world. Yeah. To be able to say this is normal and this is a positive thing. Yes. And then f to bring them in to that and to, to say, well, we're, you know, you're upset. I'm upset. Yeah. This is not ideal, but we're doing this. To we're in this together. Yeah. And that builds that connection. Yeah. The relationship strengthens, uh -huh. strengthens that. Yeah. Rather than if you have yeah. a relationship where you're so distant with your children or your or work or career or whatever it is, and you don't have that mm -hmm. that flex of that strengthening of that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not not necessarily tested, but it's you 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 you're an you're not in an ideal situation, and you're both stressed. That relationship is tested, I guess, to a certain degree. Or the stress is there. You come together. You work it through together. Yeah. You are stronger yeah. because of it. Yeah. To then deal with yeah. the next struggle. Yeah. And yeah. you can have that blueprint of going, yeah. well, yeah, I worked, we worked through that. We, we managed that. Last we time. We did that we really well we with that. We know how to do that. Yeah. So in comes a to. new struggle. Yeah. We can manage it. Whereas yeah. a relationship or, or a situation where you, where you isn't tested gets the state titles, bombing at the state titles. You've got nothing to test it with. Yeah. Nothing so, to fall back on. You know, within sport, yeah, a coach is physically overwhelming his athletes. So there's a lift in the overwhelm. In other words, the amount of work, the amount of resistance that he's applying the to the work, the stress. Yeah. yeah. And then he will allow that athlete time to adapt. And it's like a leveling off of adaptation. Mm -hmm. And then he'll apply, once he, a coach pays attention to the response of his athlete, to mm. know when that adaptation has been, uh, what's the word, taken in, mm. integrated, absorbed, yeah. absorbed. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then he will overwhelm again and build the stress levels again. And then when he, when he notices that athlete is just at the point of, like just before the overwhelm kicks in, yeah then he'll Players. allow the athlete to it for adaptation. Yeah. If he basically gets the athlete and just stresses him, yeah. It's going to collapse. He's just going to collapse. So or alternatively, to, there's no stress. Yeah, and then there's, there's no growth. No. And, of course, if there's no growth, the subconscious really does arc up. Yeah. And I think that, that analogy is so... The same with with business as well, where yeah, you yeah. you want to be stressed. Not everybody, yeah, yeah. But you want if you're in that way inclined and you want to be tested, you want that growth of and stress. Yes, and then you need cons in business. I would say it's um, you're consolidating. Hmm. You're allowing some time. That's right. for all all those things that you put into place yep. of stress. Just to consolidate yeah, for a while. Yeah, and then to go, okay, I can, now I'm, I'm very comfortable with this level of stress. Yeah. And, then and now we can go up again. Go up again. And yeah. you just, yeah, and then um, I think that's a that's a, a really a really lovely analogy. And, and we, you know, that needs to happen with children as well. 
Mm. So as a parent, it's it's making sure you're paying attention mm. to making sure that, you know, as that stress is... It, yeah. It, yeah, and then allowing that time of uh, it's almost adaptation. Like, it's almost the stressor, which is, I guess, the, with the kids, it's responsibility. Yeah. So you go, okay, you can handle, like... You can't give a five-year-old the duty of cooking dinner, no, you know, because they're no. just like, fuck, I'm out of the But you can, what it would be. <laughs> but you definitely can, um, you know, give them small jobs and small yeah. responsibilities. And yeah. then, then there's a little bit of stress there yeah. where it's like you've got to do this. You've yeah. got to clean your bedroom. Yeah. And they've got to struggle. Yes. They've got to have some struggle. Yeah. But I, th- I agree with you. I think – and I don't know whether – prior generation or generation before had a different outlook on struggle or they probably weren't self-aware enough to really think about it. But to be out, I just think it's, it's so important. And I, I, I don't do this as much as I should be able to. I, I, I think I would like there to be less struggle, <laughs> which is, you know, we all would as, love yeah, that. But, but, but what we just said, you need it. You right? do need and so it. you take a step back yeah. and you actually, with every relationship I have with the, with my with the way that I bring up my boys with with career with work with everything, you've got to have that. That's what creates the strength. Yeah, that's the adaptation yeah. bit, right? And yeah. so it frustrates me sometimes on reflection where I'm like, God, I wish that some things were a little bit easier. Well, like I said before, the subconscious it will arc up if it doesn't learn. Mm. If it hasn't got the opportunity to learn and grow and progress and develop mm. and and move on and and you know it's like a three year old child it wants to explore it wants to investigate it wants to 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 learn new skills yeah, yeah. so I remember I remember have. a session that we did a number of years ago where it was a very quick uh, example of you tapping into my self subconscious and uh, but you basically we, you glued my, without obviously doing anything to my hand, but you glued subconsciously, you glued my two fingers together and then we tied ribbons around it and tape around it. And basically it was completely put my, my index index finger and my thumb were locked. Mm -hmm. And then you asked, I think you asked, this is going back whether I could release it and I couldn't until you're able to, we unraveled it and I unraveled it. Like it was incredible mm. to, that was my, I guess my first experience with going into that subconscious, subconscious area. Only a small level. But yeah. um, is there a way that we can, like what can we, what can the audience, what can people take away with going other than contacting you? And I um, would, would recommend that to, to, but to be able to, if they've done the conscious work and it's still those... Well, let's do something now. Okay. Yeah, why well, not? Shit, this is kind of <laughs> I'm scared. I, I don't know. I was hedging. I was hedging. I was like, it'd be good to do something. No, no, something. But and now oh, you're God. like, well, no, let's just have some fun. Okay. Let's just explore and, right. and allow anyone out there who's watching or listening, mm. so long as you're not driving. Yes, Please, drive. if you're not driving, maybe... Um, switch me off for a while. Switch it Pause. Off, right? yeah. Pull over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Um, yeah, let's let's just explore. So okay. I mean, the first thing to do. I'm literally my hands are yeah, sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is prior trauma of our two, last two yeah, yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, session. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a biggie. Mm. This is more fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this is you know just a bit of fun. Right. So close your eyes. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing to do. Is is just get a sense of closing your eyes. And what I would love you to do is just focus your attention on your eyelids. 
no other part of your body, just your eyelids, to create relaxation in your eyelids. And uh, create that relaxation in your eyelids. Just get a sense of it. So much so that even if you tried, you can open your eyes. Now, you can maybe imagine that your eyelids are stuck down with glue, like Loctite glue, so much so that even if you tried, you couldn't open your eyes. Or maybe you might like to imagine that your eyelids are like heavy blocks of cement, so heavy and relaxed that even if you tried, you couldn't open your eyes. Or maybe you might like to do it in a way that works best for you, so much so that even if you tried, you couldn't open your eyes. Now, I did have a client that imagined the roller garage door and he'd pressed the button on his remote and the roller garage door had just dropped down and closed. That's how he did it. But what I'd like you to do whilst holding on to that stuckness and that heaviness and that relaxation in your eyelids, I want you to try in vain to open your eyes. And notice you can't. Now, stop trying and open your eyes. <laughs> How interesting is that? Now, what's interesting about this is consciously, you know you can open your eye. But in this moment, the subconscious has taken over to stick your eyes closed. Now that your subconscious knows what being stuck feels like, I wonder what it would do and what you would do as a human being if your subconscious came up with a word or a phrase in your life that would be brilliant, brilliant to be stuck to. A magic word or a magic phrase that if you as a human being were stuck to this word and phrase, what a difference it would make in your life for the future. Like a force for good for your future. And what's going to happen is your subconscious is going to come up with that word and phrase, whether it comes up with it and lets you know consciously now, I don't know, or whether it lets you know consciously later on today or tomorrow or in a week's time. I don't know. But what you will know is that when you're going to open your eyes again, you know the task has been followed through by your subconscious. Yeah, that's pretty good. Good. I added the word strength. Yeah. Straight away. Think about that. Mm. It came in straight away. Straight away. Yeah. yeah. And that's how the subconscious works. Yeah, that's incredible. Okay. And and yeah, that's that's the kind of hypnosis that is very street stagey. Sure. And um, yeah, I, I love it. It's my favorite time. Mm. And that's an incredible force for good for the future for you, that word. Yeah. And whether others out there have still got their eyes closed <laughs> waiting for the word to come <laughs> to in, come through, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. But there's enough there for their subconscious just to mull, mull over mm. and be aware of so that that can pop into your mind in the future. That's how it works. Julie Robinson, this has been this has been special. This has been <laughs> so, so lovely. Thank um, you. I've enjoyed it too. Hey. <laughs> Uh, rapid fire questions to finish us off. We oh, ask right. we ask every yes. guest every yes. guest five questions at the end of each episode. Number oh. one is uh, your number one tip for people trying to be more successful in their lives. I would follow 
the five components of success. Number one, make sure you have a goal and make sure that goal is a vision so that you lock it in subconsciously. Make sure that vision has a feeling and sensation towards it so that your subconscious knows that goal is real. Number two is make sure you have a clear strategy. Remember how good it feels to follow that process. Mm. Have a clear strategy in place. If you don't know what the strategy is to achieve that goal, then find yourself someone who does. Number three is check in with your belief. In other words, do you know you can do it? Belief is knowing something is the truth. If you feel you don't know whether you can do it, then ask yourself, do I believe that I can learn how to do it? Mm. And there's a big difference mm -hmm. there. Where am I? Number four. four. <laughs> Number four is an easy one, is perseverance. Okay, that perseverance means giving yourself enough time to learn how to do it. Most people just give up, but you've got to give yourself enough time to learn how to do it. And number five is my favorite, and that is the feedback loop. The feedback loop gives you the opportunity to adjust the goal or keep it sacred, make smaller goals in between. It gives you the opportunity to change the strategy, check in with your belief, and make sure you give yourself enough time to learn how to do it. That's my secret. Gee, that's brilliant. To success. Yeah, yeah. Five components of success. Now, I can't remember. I think there was a study done, and I can't remember the guy who came up with the five components. Right. Um, I'll try and yeah, yeah. let you know. That was good. And um, what was great about that study was that he studied many, many different genres of success, mm -hmm. not just your quintessential sure. athlete, rich, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. feedback loop. The feedback loop is great. The feedback loop is essential. Yeah, it's yeah, my yeah, favorite. Yeah. And before then, I would just, if I couldn't do something, I just gave up. Yeah. Now I'm. Because if you believe that you can do it. Yeah. Or yeah. Learn, learn to do it. Yeah. Then the feedback then loop is. You just love the process. And you love that And really, feedback. when you think about it, that's how elite sports people work. Yeah. I mean, swimmers, some of them don't do a personal best time for four years. Yes. <laughs> I mean, four years is a long, long way. Time. Yeah. A long time to wait mm -hmm. before you get a personal best time. Mm. So there's got to be something else within this system yep. that flicks their switch. Yeah. And that's what it is. Uh, number one tip for people wanting to be try to be more happy or find more happiness in their life. Probably what I would stay away from is being too forceful to be in the moment. Okay. I would certainly get a sense of making sure that you as a human being can access creating a future, enjoying the present moment, but also learning from the past. So the more flexible and adaptable you are as a human being, the more you're relying on yourself to create happiness, the more you're going to enjoy happiness. So be pl more pliable. Yes, with, more adaptable. Yeah. So you're not just trying desperately to be in the moment mm. to create happiness. You can also create happiness in Projecting the future, the future and you can also access past mm -hmm. as well yeah, to create that happiness. I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
most gifted or most recommended book to read? I've got two. Okay. <laughs> I've got two because, um, you know, my pleasure, I love reading. Sure. Yeah. Um, don't do enough of it. But my favourite all-time book was one that I was given to read in English literature at school, oh, wow. which is usually not the one that everyone loves. Hey, Moby Dick or... Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. So a bit of romance. Yeah. Uh, an extremely brilliant written book yeah. that is hilariously funny okay. very girly sorry yeah, Richard that's okay. it's very girly <laughs> and then on my other book that I I adore and refer and it's a bit bedraggled is Heart of the Mind by Stephen Andreas which is an NLP book yeah it's sensational okay and I refer to that a lot is that what what's spoken what's covered in that book Oh, all sorts, how okay. to uh, manage grief, disappointment. Right. Um, I can't even imagine. I can't, eating. From what we've discussed, what the sessions we've done, I can't imagine anything but having it like either face-to-face or having you yeah. speaking to me. So it's, it's yeah. unique or it's interesting in my mind to be able to be assisted by written text, but obviously that is. Yes. I mean, it's it's within my industry. It's probably the ultimate book yeah, okay. within my industry. I mean, it, Forgiveness. It's right. got all sorts in there. Phobias. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got all sorts. Trauma. Yeah. Uh, Julie, the most influential person in your life? Mm, my husband. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> that was really easy. Yeah. yeah. My husband. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I do a lot of work on myself. You know, yeah. I'm human, just like all of us. Yeah. And yeah, when there's a certain feeling and sensation that I don't like, and I try and work it out myself, and then. I have, you know, a super friend that I catch up with and she helps me with it. And it's, you know, the amount of times I say, I, I really need to do what Ian does, my husband, <laughs> in this situation. Mm. And and he, yeah, he's my greatest influence. Well, you just lit up like a Christmas yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, a, a guest famous or, or not. Oh, this was a difficult question, That you'd actually. like us to have on the podcast. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if, if you could ever get him on the podcast. That's, that's be, the dream, right? That's the dream. But you never know with this this gentleman. He's, he's quite incredible. He's, he's Dr. Alan Brast. And he's a medical hypnotist and uh, a suicidologist. And right. I've seen him speak twice. He's made me laugh. He's made me cry. Yeah. And the work he does is mind-blowing. Okay. Where is he based? So US. US, yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot of work in San Francisco. Okay. Incredible man. Oh, well, I don't think... Dr. Alan Brast, if you ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> no, 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 I'll but be I mean... over the moon. We, this is one, this is the idea, right? To ask that question so that yeah, we can yeah. reach out to them. And yeah. who knows? We've got, a, we've got a big list next year and good, we'll, good. We'll, we'll approach him the way that we do. It's a yeah. unique way that we approach our yeah. guests. And we, yeah, I, I, pro- I want to be on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be sitting at the desk? I want to be in, over there. Just listening? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Oh, oh, asking. Oh, yeah. you, can be, you can be the guest host. Oh, I'd I'll let love you to both, do that. let you both just go yeah, for it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I, because when I heard him speak, I wanted to ask him so many questions. Okay. Well, I think I did actually the second time. I kind of built a little bit of courage to ask him a yeah. few questions. Okay. So, 
just we get, a we get beautiful him, human We get him in. I'll do the introductions and then I'll give you the microphone. Brilliant. And you can just Done. run with it. Done. Okay. Julie Robinson, thank you so much. You're welcome. And this was beautiful. It's been a pleasure. And, um, it's great. I Good hope fun. You, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful year next year. Thank you. And um, Merry Appreciate Christmas. That. Yeah, And thank you. Um, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. That was today's show. Hope you really enjoyed it. We did have a lizard about 20 centimetres long trying to get into the studio. So if you do see a lizard nearby, let them know about this podcast and this show. But until next time, peace.